Hello and God bless you today from Carlsbad, New Mexico. You are listening to a broadcast of New Song Christian Fellowship. We hope you enjoy the message today, and we'd love to hear from you. If anything in this message has touched you, you have a prayer request, or just want to reach out, you can connect with us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash New Song Carlsbad NM. You can also mail us at Post Office Box 761, Carlsbad, New Mexico, zip code 88221. Please enjoy this message and have a very blessed day. Every time I get up here, I say, you guys are our family. You guys always will be our family. No matter, okay? The truth is, and I'll tell you, okay? Raymond and I are moving along in age. We happen to be the oldest people in the church. So we want somebody else to have that opportunity, okay? No, this is hard. We are going to be moving. Um, The house is going on the market, if she'll put it on the market this next week. Um, We are going to move to... Kansas, and I'm leaving my red shoes behind, okay? (laughs) She doesn't want them there either. We will be, we've already found a place um, a couple months ago. Anyway, last time we were up there. But um, we'll be right right down the street from Tammy and Ray. Uh, three-quarters of a mile to a mile. Walking distance if I walk a mile, (laughs) which I don't do. This, I want you to know, is the hardest thing for us. Because we love you all so much. When I say you're our family, I'm I'm so serious. But you know what? I have a cell phone. And so does Raymond. And it works. So we're not going to be that far away. I would do that. There's one way to stay up with what's going on. (laughs) I love you, and we're probably still going to be here for till February. We can't leave till they can come and get us (laughs) and get us moved. Things are, you know, our house has got boxes everywhere, but it's going to. Clear up. And don't, you know, I love you. 
<laughs> Thank you. Uh, yeah, it's the hardest thing I've done. <laughs> uh, I was on board to go, and then I wasn't, and it was driving me up the wall for a while. But been here too long, Carlsbad. <laughs> uh, we've been married 61 years because we got married here in 1958. And other, other than that, when I got drafted in the Army, we were here except for a while then. Came back to Carlsbad, but God has really richly blessed us. And, and our home church here, and we know John and Liz for a long, long time. And, uh, but my grandson back there has a barbershop in Hutchinson, Hutchinson. It's only about how long? Far from Inman, about 15 minutes. So I can go get a haircut from him and then. <laughs> no. Well, yeah, he does travel to give some, too. But we're going to miss you, but we'll be around for a little bit longer. And uh, uh, we're, we're just going to terribly miss you, that's all. So. And the road runs both ways. Okay. Thank you, guys. Let's pray for them. Just reach your hands out this way. Father, we just appreciate Raymond and Linda. I've, they've been with me for almost 40 years. They're great people. You, you don't find people better than this. I often tell them, if I had more people like you, I wouldn't have any problems. So, Father, we send them out with a blessing, the blessing of God. We ask you to financially bless them, bless their health, keep them healthy. And, Lord, uh, I'm so glad that their daughter and her husband are going to be caring for them and making sure everything's okay. That makes me feel better. Lord, thank you. We praise you in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. It seems like it is. Before John gets started, I need some men to come up and lay hands on him, and we're going to pray for him to get over this illness so that he's back to full strength. I love every one of you. I'd like you to turn your Bible to John chapter 21. you be praying for Ed Hyatt, too. He's going through some physical things right now that are pretty serious, so we need to keep him in our prayers. Last week, Jesus was a baby, and we told the Christmas story and talked about how innocent and wonderful 
he was and is. Last week, he was a gift to the world. He completed that calling when he died 33 years later on the cross. Today, he's died and he's been resurrected. That's what we're going to talk about. Last week, he was a weak baby when I told you the story. Today, he's supernatural. Supernatural. Look at uh, John 21, verse 1. After these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias. And on this wise showed he himself. There were together Simon Peter and Thomas called Didymus and Nathanael of Cana in Galilee and the sons of Zebedee and two other of his disciples. Simon Peter said unto them, I go a fishing. And they said unto him, We also go with you. And they went forth and entered into a ship immediately. And that night they caught nothing. I want you to, I want to come back to this, but I want you to keep, I want you to put yourself in their mindset. When he was the baby, when he came and collected them at 30 years of age, found Peter, had a fishing business on the Sea of Galilee, which is really a lake. He was a professional fisherman and he was good at it, but Jesus said, come and follow me, I'll make you a fisher of men. Man, there was excitement. After all, the Romans were in town and they were taxing them beyond belief raping their women, doing unseemly things to their children. They were in control after all. They thought, the disciples, he came because he's going to put an army together and he's going to drive these Romans out of Israel. All through this time, Jesus kept telling them, I'm going to die. Oh, they couldn't accept that. They couldn't accept it. Uh, honey, would you, uh, would you check on her? I'm really worried about her. Are you sure you're okay? Would you check on her? Now you need to take her to the restroom. Your Iris is a nurse. She'll help you a little bit. He kept telling them, I'm going to die. And they didn't understand that. It was a total shock to their system. They didn't understand. 
Whenever you're in a position where you've been shocked or something bad has happened to you, normally, you know what we do? We, we have a tendency to go back to what is familiar. And I'm going to tell you something. If the shock on your life is bad enough and you used to be an alcoholic, sometimes you'll return to alcohol. If you used to be a drug addict, you'll return to drugs because you want to go back to what's familiar, and nobody likes to hurt. And so they're not sure what's going on. Then they go through a period of time. It's okay, honey. That's, it's okay. I need you to sit down, please. Thank you. They went through a time where it all began to escalate, and it seemed to be escalating the the wrong direction. It was going exactly the way Jesus told them it was going to go. And then you know the story. He was arrested. He was beaten. Pieces of his flesh were ripped off with whips. They drove a crown of thorns down on his head. He bled from seven different wounds on his body. The Bible says without the shedding of blood, there can be no forgiveness of sin. The life is in the blood. He gave his life, his blood for you. A guy came to me right after I got saved and he said a remarkable thing. I never thought of it. He said, John, if you'd have been the only person who ever lived, Jesus would have died for you. And he would have died for you too. And so Jesus is buried in a tomb. They're up in the upper room where they had the last meal. They're beside themselves. They don't, want, don't know what to do. One of the, a couple of the girls decide they're going to go down to the tomb and maybe they can get the stone rolled away and they can go in and anoint his body. And when they get there, there's an angel sitting on a rock. And he said this, why do you seek the living or the, the, the dead among the living? Why do you seek the dead among the living? They run back to the upper room. He's been resurrected. There was an angel on that rock. And you know the story that... One of the disciples named Thomas, where we get the phrase, the doubting Thomas. He said, I'm not going to believe until I see the holes in his hands, not his wrists, in his hand, and I can thrust my hand up through that spear wound in his side. And at that very moment, Jesus didn't even use a door. He walked through a wall. See, he's different now. He's been resurrected. He had to use doors before. He doesn't need doors now. Something's different. He walks through the wall, stands right in front of Thomas. And Thomas falls on his knees and says, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, You're blessed, Thomas, because you've seen me and believed, but how much more blessed are those who've never seen me and they believe. He was talking about you. 
You've never seen him. You might have seen him in a dream or a vision. Don't you think God's asking an awful lot of you? He's asking you to give your whole life to serve and follow him and you've never even seen him. For me, it's been 50 years. I had an opportunity to go to New York. I was told by a guy that knows that I could have easily uh, made, made it in the Met, Metropolitan Opera. I was blown away by that, but I, not long after I was told that, I also had a roommate who gave me that book, The Late Great Planet Earth. Never knew about God, but we never went to church. My parents never took me to a church, ever. In chapter 11 of that book, it's called The Ultimate Trip, and it's about the rapture. I never heard that before. Do you mean to tell me that Jesus who left is coming back? Yeah. Yeah. He's coming back. You know why? He's coming for you. He's coming for all those who have loved him from the time he was here until now. First Timothy uh, pulled it all together. Jesus comes in the clouds and first all the, the people who have died that love the Lord are they come out of the graves, out of the ground, wherever their bodies have been laid and they come boiling up into the sky and on the way up their spirits that have been in heaven come down about halfway and meet their body and they are resurrected and glorified. That's what it means to be supernatural. You've got to become glorified. There's other things he could do he didn't be, do before. He could be in Jerusalem. It's about a three-hour drive to Galilee. He could be in Jerusalem and just bat his eyes, and in one second, he would be on the shores of the lake. He, he could also fly. I remember one time being up in the Guadalupe Mountains on, on the uh, south rim, they call it, looking down at Little Dog, Big Dog Canyon, sitting there on the side of that hill, and the, the updrafts were just amazing. And, and uh, a bird of prey would just appear, and with his, didn't even have to flap his wings, he just held them out. And the updrafts would just make him soar make him sore. And I remember thinking, man, I wish I could fly. How many of you wish you could fly? Let's look at some more of this. So they caught nothing. Verse 4. But when the morning was now come, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples knew not what it, that it was Jesus. Now, this is another thing about being glorified. You're not really recognizable so much. 
Everything about you has changed. In fact, I think they had to have a revelation to even know that it was Jesus. Lucky for them, one of the men in the boat was the disciple that Jesus loved. See, he loves all of you, but you know, you've got friends and then you've got friends. You know what I'm saying to you? Everybody in here should have one or two friends in your life that are special above everybody else. We call him our best friend. Jesus had a best friend, John. Over and over, the first time I read the book of John, I kept seeing over and over again, he referred to somebody called the beloved disciple. Took me a while to figure out he was talking about himself. Let's see what happens here. Verse 5, Then Jesus said unto them, Children, have you any meat? They answered him, No. And he said unto them, Cast the net on the right side of the ship, and you shall find, and they cast therefore, and now they were not able to draw it for the multitude of fishes. You know, they fished with nets. You know the reason they couldn't catch any fish in that boat? Because the fish all night were under the boat. Smart fish. Cast it on the right side. And that's what they did. Therefore, that disciple whom Jesus loved said unto Peter, It is the Lord. Now when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he girded his fisher's coat unto him, for he was naked and did cast himself into the sea. And the other disciples came in a little ship, for they were not far from land, but as it were two hundred cubits, dragging the net with fishes. Now watch this. As soon then as they were come to the land, they saw a fire of coals there, and fish laid thereon and bread. Jesus said unto them, Bring, the fish, bring of the fish which you have now caught. The reason that Peter girt him, he was naked, we don't know why that was, but uh, he girts his waist, pulled up his whatever he's wearing, and while they're fishing, he dives in the boat, forgets the fish, and heads for land. You know why that is? He had unfinished business with Jesus. The night before he died, Jesus and Peter had a conversation. He said, if they come to get you, they'll have to take me too. Peter looked at Jesus and Jesus just shook his head and he said, before this night's over, you shall deny that you know me three times. After his arrest, Peter hung around in the back of the crowd. Somebody recognized him. I saw him when Jesus healed that man. I don't know him, he said, three times. The third time, to make his point, he was so adamant, he cursed. I don't know that blankety-blank man. He probably looked up at that moment. They were bringing Jesus out of where he had been questioned. Jesus looked at him, 
his face puffy with being beaten. Yes, he had unfinished business. You see, Peter was a big man. He, you wouldn't want to meet him in a dark alley. He'd probably whip you real good. Except for one thing. He was a coward. Peter, can you believe this? He was a coward. But let me remind you of something. Not long after this, Jesus in Acts chapter 1, verse 8 says, You will receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. He told them to go into Jerusalem to the upper room and wait there until you're endued with power from on high. And so there's 120, not just 12 disciples. There's 120 men, women, and children in that room, the upper room. They're waiting. They're talking. They're, they're nervous. They're excited. Did he tell you what it was going to be? He's going to send us a gift. What, did he tell you what it was? What, what's it going to be? And so here they are in this room, and suddenly a ball of fire appears up against the ceiling, roiling, rolling. And the Bible says a tongue of fire came down and touched all 120 of them, and they were all baptized in the Holy Ghost as the Spirit, and they spoke in tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. All of them spoke in tongues, even the children that were in the room. In fact, it's been my experience that children receive that gift far easier than adults do. Adults are hung up. Now, Peter the coward... Peter the coward was one of those that was in the room. They come flying down out of the room. It's the day of Pentecost, one of the busiest feast days of the year. Peter gets up on a high place and and gets a crowd. Hey, come over here. I got to tell you something. And he uses strong language. He calls them hypocrites. Don't you realize that you've crucified the Messiah? What's happened to Peter? Now before on this beach, while those men are struggling in the boat, there's 153 fish in that net, big fish. And they're struggling. Peter swims up on the beach. He sees a blessing. The the meat's already cooking. It's ready to eat. See, when God gives you a blessing, he gives you a prepared blessing. He didn't want to eat. He wanted to get to this unfinished business. Goes over to Jesus. He's weeping. I lied to you, Lord. I let you down. You tried to tell me and I wouldn't listen. Jesus stops him and he says, Peter, do you love me? Lord, you know I do. Feed my sheep. By the way, Peter found out another thing. 
this was going to be his last night in the boat. Weren't going to be any more boats for Peter. Jesus showed up in the supernatural to kick him out of that boat and get out of what's familiar and follow Jesus into the wilderness or wherever else God wanted him to go. He's got a plan for his life and he has a plan for your life. And you've got to do everything in your power to make sure you're in the middle of that plan. Jesus, can you forgive me for what I did? Peter, do you love me? And Peter's weeping. Lord, why you keep saying that? You know that I love you. Peter, feed my sheep. And then a third time, Lord, can you ever forgive me? Three times he denied him. Three times he gets forgiven. Peter, do you love me? You know I love you, Lord. Feed my sheep. That was his last night in the boat. At the end of his life, Peter was arrested. He was always being arrested, thrown in jails, beaten, whipped. He was arrested, taken to Rome. And this time they meant business. We're going to give you the same death that your Messiah, supposed Messiah, got. We're going to crucify you. Peter the coward is no longer a coward. He steps up and he says, could you do me a favor, boys? I'm not worthy to be crucified in the same manner that Jesus was. Will you turn me upside down and crucify me upside down? And that's exactly what they did. Those men, each one of them had intimate moments with Jesus. And I know without any doubt that every one of them said, Jesus, I'm going to follow you no matter where you go. Thinking, of course, at the time, uh, well, maybe he'll make me a general of the army he's going to put together. And Jesus said, no, I'm going to die. Are you willing to go there with me? How far, are you, how far are you willing to go? How, how dedicated are you to this man we call Jesus? Oh, you, you tell him you love him, you, you go to church, that's good. But do you mean it? Let me ask you something. How much time are you spending with Jesus every day? Five minutes? I remember one time I went to the, one of those big conventions in Houston. I don't even remember the guy's name. It was a Christian convention. And uh, he says, I want to challenge all of you. He said, I want to challenge you, and if you want to do this, raise your hand and agree with me. I want to challenge you to read your Bible five minutes every day. And everybody in the crowd laughed. There was about 4,000 people in that auditorium. Five minutes, well, that's nothing. They're all waving their hands. I'll do it. I'll do it. And I said, I'd do it too. Then I prayed and I said, now, Lord, you're going to have to remind me because I might forget a couple of times. Oh, don't worry, John, I'll remind you. 
I remember one night dragging in, I was tired, flipped off the lights, crawled in that nice warm bed. My wife's there. We're snuggled up, going to have a nice night's sleep. It's very quiet. And then all of a sudden I hear, John. Yes? You told me to remind you. But Lord, I'm, I've just got warm. And it, it, you, you just told me to remind you. I just remind you. So reluctantly, I flipped on the light, got my Bible out. You know, five minutes is a long time if you don't want to do something. Isn't it? Do you know what? I developed a habit, and I'm, I'm kind of out of it now. I need to get back in it. In that process, I began to realize that the, the Word was alive. It's alive. God began to open up in my five minutes. By the way, my five minutes would turn to 20 minutes, 30 minutes, an hour, two hours. Spending time with him. And let me tell you one more time so you won't, it won't get by you. God is looking for worshipers. Now, I'm sad to tell you, but not everybody in this room is a worshiper. Oh, you sing the songs, but are you a worshiper? Do you know what that means? Let me tell you this. The day you discover what worship is all about is the day that you'll find Jesus coming to you. When you worship him, he'll come to the door. Knock, and the door shall be opened. He's drawn to worship. That's why in the temple, the last article of furniture before you went through the veil was the altar of incense. They burnt incense, a sweet-smelling savor, and my favorite word in the world, wafted. That smoke wafted. That means it, it went around in circles like a tornado, and it went up in, and it goes right into the nostrils of God. Worship. The whole story of the temple was to get from outside to into God's presence. And the key to it all is worship. If you don't know how to worship, you need to find out how. Go down to Carol's bookstore and buy a couple of books on worship. Read them. No, don't read them. Consume them. Find out what it means to be a worshiper. If you need a financial blessing, if you'll be a worshiper, God will come to your aid immediately. You need a healing in your body. If you're a worshiper, he'll show up at the door. He's looking for worshipers. Oh, I'm a worshiper, I said. I'm not even sure I knew what it meant to be a worshiper. But I will tell you this. It means giving up the rest of yourself and giving it over to him. It means taking whatever little bit of glory you thought you were going to get and offering that as a gift to him. It means thanking him every day of your life for what he did for you and never forgetting the price that was paid. Do you know what Jesus is doing right now as I'm speaking to you? Right now, He's sitting on the right hand of his father, looking down at you 
I don't know how this works. It's a whole different universe, man. How can he look down? I mean, where are they? They're in a place called heaven. He's looking down, and here's what the Bible says and teaches. Every time he sees you messed up in a sin, he turns to his father and says, Lord, don't lay that on their account. Put it on my account. It wasn't enough that he died on the cross. Now, on a daily basis, he's allowing you to walk in continual forgiveness. Can you accept that? A lot of people don't like Christians because they think you're self-righteous. We're not self-righteous. We just understand that as Christians, we've been given the gift of perpetual forgiveness. Every day. Think about it, because most of you are still sinning every day. Usually, in your case, with sins of your mouth. Your most unruly member is your tongue. And you gossip with that tongue. And you badmouth and you condemn and you judge others with that tongue. And you need to turn that tongue over to him. I don't think it's any accident that he gave us the gift of tongues. Think about it. You see, when you're real young and you're full of testosterone or whatever, guys are 20 years old and they're whatever they are. So they're dealing with problems like pornography and, and, and things like that drugs and whatever but when you get older you kind of go away from that but you can't seem to get a hold of your mouth Peter was a strange character strange character when they came to arrest Jesus Peter grabs a, a sword and cuts one of the soldier's ears off. Cut it off. Think about it. Here's his ear flopping on the ground. Soldier's holding his hole in his head. Blood streaming everywhere. Jesus rebukes Peter, reaches down, picks up this floppy ear, and sticks it back on the guy's head. I don't know what kind of super glue he used, but it must have been good because it worked. Pulls his hand away and his ear is just like it was brand new. Peter was impetuous. Let's don't wait till tomorrow. Let's don't have any patience. Let's do it now. See, God knows how you are. But you know what God wants to give you another gift of? Allowing him the honor of molding and shaping you into his image. Will you let him do that? And I got to tell you something. We've got the, the faith message. I've had it for Kenneth Hagin, Kenneth Copeland. Not being judgmental, I'm just telling you. You know, they, they were so caught up in that, they, they would tell you that if you had any problems, it's because you didn't have enough faith. And I'm here to tell you if you are a follower of Jesus, you're going to have trouble. The Bible calls it tribulation. You're going to suffer tribulation. 
If you are going to obey your God, and if you're going to step up and say, Lord, I receive your calling. You've called me to do this, or you've called me to do that. I have now stepped up and agreed to do it. From that day forward, you better get ready. Because the devil hates your guts, and he's going to try to kill you. Are you listening? The devil's tried to kill me so many times. And yet in the middle of all that, God gave us miracles. Had a flat tire in my motorhome in Colorado. I don't even know if John Wesley had been born yet. I, I got under the motorhome. I pulled off. in the. It, there was a sticker patch there. And I couldn't get under it. So I, I noticed there was an airport, a little a crop dusting airport, about 500 yards down the road. So I got back in the thing and drove it over there. There was a guy gassing up a plane. and I said, I've got a flat. Can I, can I just park it here on your asphalt? Try to, oh, yeah, I'll come help you as soon as this guy takes off. Now, I did something real stupid. Not you, John. Whenever you're changing a tire on a, particularly a big vehicle, what do you got to do? Block those tires. No, John, don't block no tires because John don't need to block tires. John is a professional tire changer. Why does he need to block tires? Well, I had an oil leak. I was having perpetual oil leaks uh, in the, the, the wheel bearings, constantly leaking. And this inside wheel that was flat, we couldn't, you couldn't get that off of there. He said, well, I got a sledgehammer. Let me go get it. So I'm crawling under one side. He crawls under the other. I beat it on it a while. He got it and beat on it. Finally, it broke loose, and I immediately slid out from under the vehicle. He wasn't quite as fast because as soon as I, my head cleared that vehicle, it fell off the jack on him. He's dead. But that flat tire grabbed hold. The springs came down, and it just released just enough. When I reached over and grabbed his belt, I sucked him out from under there. thought he was dead. Finally, he roused. He sits up there and he pulls out a cigarette, shaking. He, he gets up, walks around the motorhome, and he kept repeating the same thing. God's trying to tell me something. God's trying to tell me something. Yeah, he sure was. I got his phone number. We got back in the motorhome, and we took off. And about eight hours later, I called his house. His sister answered the phone. When I told her who I was, she started weeping. She said, you have no idea what happened today. She said, my brother is the black sheep of the family. We're assembly of God people. We're spirit-filled. We're tongue talkers. And my brother used to laugh and make fun of us and run as far away from God as he could get. But when he came home today, he fell on his face in front of the whole family and gave his life to Jesus. See, the devil try to kill you, but God will turn it into gold. 
but are you willing to walk that road? Let me tell you what happens a lot of times on Sunday mornings. After the sermon's over, you keep looking at your watch. Boy, I hope he shuts up pretty soon because we can get it. We can get in the restaurant before anybody else does. What are you going to do if you're sitting there one Sunday and and I tell you when I start that uh, so and so's in the hospital from our church and has requested that somebody would come pray for him? What's more important, the restaurant or the guy in the hospital? Because I made myself available, I'm not bragging, I'm just telling you, God allowed me to pray for one of the most powerful men in Carlsbad, Walter Geralds. One of the richest men in our community, owned a big ranch down here on the El Paso Highway, owned uh, Colin Geralds' clothing store, was a big wig in the Elks Club, hated me and hated my father, hated me because he hated my father. And so I'm not going to spend a lot. I already told you the story. But because I saw his name on the door at the hospital, I, I knew he hated I knew he hated my dad. So I'm sitting there with my hand on the knob of his room. Do I really want to go in there? He'll probably have me thrown out. I turned the knob and I stuck my head in. He was on the phone. As soon as he saw me, he went like this. I got to call you back. Click. I said, Walter, what are you doing in here? Well, they tell me I've got cancer and it's inoperable. And you know what he said to me? Would you pray for me? There's another guy that didn't know the Lord. Oh, he was a, a Methodist. Later on when he died, I'll just tell you this one part. I'd been overseas for three weeks. I came back, uh, went by his house, and there were two dozen cars out around his house. And I didn't know what was going on. And I opened the door, uh, I rang the bell, and his wife, Linda, opened the door and fell into my arms, weeping. Where have you been? We've been trying to find you for weeks. He's in there dying in, in our bedroom, and he doesn't even know who I am anymore. So she took me into their bedroom, and here he was on the bed, all these people in his bedroom stacked in there like sardines, waiting on him to die. He's about this big around. And when I st stepped into the door, you know what he did? Didn't even recognize his wife, keep in mind. I walked over there, I said, yes. He said, John, pray for me. And I did. And he died later. When we did his funeral at the Methodist Church, see, this is how God works. The governor of New Mexico was in that church. Some of the most powerful men in New Mexico were in that church. And I got to sing for them. I sang the Lord's Prayer. That's back when I had a voice. 
But what I'm trying to tell you is when you make yourself available, it's risky. This was the last night on the boat for Peter. What did, why do we know that? Jesus kept telling him, feed my sheep. All of those disciples, after Jesus was taken up in the resurrection into the heavens, he flew, by the way, flew himself. They split up and they went into different areas of the known world. Some of them went to Rome. That's why the earliest church, which later became the Roman Catholic Church, started in Rome. All of them died with the exception of one man, John the Revelator, the beloved disciple. He died of old age after he had written the book of Revelation. And by the way, don't ever let anybody tell you that the book of Revelation is not important because it is. Look at me. You are living it. You are living it. He's coming. Are you ready? I only want one thing, and I've let him down. You have no idea how I've let him down. But I only want one thing. When I see him, I want him to, to grab me and say, Well done, my good and faithful servant. That's all I want. When I was in my early 30s, I was traveling around the world, and I was, these prophets see me, that come up, never seen me before, lay hands on me. You're going to raise the dead. Well, you know, when somebody tells you that, they better be right. You know, that's why 15 years, 16 years ago, when I was dying in the hospital, I'd already died, I'd coded. The doctor here wanted Liz to just let me go. He said he's probably got brain damage. And you know what my wife told him? Not only no, but no. <laughs> he, she said this to him. He's had too many things spoken over him prophetically. He, he's not going to die. Send him to Lubbock, and that's what they did. That was one miracle after another after another. There have been three people raised from the dead in my ministry. One of them, a sweet lady named Pauline in Israel who fell down a flight of stairs and landed on her head on a marble floor. That was the first one to get to her. She had a hole in the back of her head that big with brain material, blood squeezing out of it right through my fingers. She died in my arms. I mean, she died. She expirated, her eyes open, fixed, and dilated. You ever ask yourself what you do in a situation like that? It wasn't me, folks. All I know is I took my big fat hand and slapped it right on the top of her head. And I said, I rebuke you, spirit of death, in Jesus' name. As soon as I said that, <gasps> she came back to life. Another one, an old man at the old first cafeteria we used to have. Sunday after church, we'd just gotten in the door, people everywhere. I turned around and an old man 
with his wife, got through the door, and as soon as they did, he collapsed and headed for the floor. I caught him just before his head hit the floor. I drug him over to that, that wooden bench they always had in there. Same thing. He just died. No pulse, eyes open, fixed, and dilated. No breath. He dead. I've seen a lot of dead people. He was dead. And I don't know what happened. It was the same thing. I slapped him on the head and I said, I rebuke you, spirit of death, in Jesus' name. He did the same thing. <gasps> and his wife started hitting me on the back of my head. She said, do that again. So don't you think that miracles have stopped because they haven't? My question to you is, are you willing to be in the middle of one of those miracles? Are you willing to take a risk? Are you willing to take a chance? Are you willing to be brave? Are you willing to go to somebody who used to hate you and get your relationship right so you can minister to them? You know what I'm talking about? I want all of you to know how much God loves you. You're all a blessing. I want you to be praying for Liz and me and John Wesley. And um, we're, Liz and I are talking several times about how blessed we've been with of those that have been sent. Benny, you're a blessing to me, you know that? first met Benny, I don't think he knew what to think about me. And probably I deserved whatever you thought. But um, now it's my honor to be his pastor and I, I don't take that lightly. I've always loved you, I don't know why, but I tried to quit. It didn't work. You're just all blessing everyone of you. And I wish you wouldn't go to Kansas. Why don't you guys come back to Carlsbad? What's wrong with you? Bring that barber son of yours with you. Yeah. We'll set him up a place here in the church and he can cut hair right all day long. People come and they go. And Harley, I'm proud of you. How you doing? Harley and I went to high school together and graduated together. He's a close friend of mine. He's he's a loyal guy. Uh, his wife, man, you how do you deserve her? Kathy, you're a blessing. And so are you. Pamela, where's your husband? That's what I thought. Well, don't blame him. Well, I love you. You're, it's amazing what God has done in your life in a few uh, short months. And uh, God's got big plans for you and him. So you better get ready. And then there's Eric. How did I get blessed with a guy like Eric? The most faithful guy that you can imagine. 
And I tell him, you know, every time he goes to the Philippines, I just keep telling him, you better come back. Because <laughs> I'd have to rent a big plane to get us all over there so we could watch him dance. But he loves the Lord, doesn't he? You know, when somebody really loves the Lord, you don't even have to guess. You, you just know it, don't you? Let's pray a minute. John, you'll turn out the lights. Now, while you're sitting there, I want you to think about something good that God did for you in 2019. Like that last song we did, Lord, I thank you, thank you, Lord, Lord, I thank you, thank you, Lord, God, you're so good to us. I want to thank you for this church and the people that are in it. I know a lot of people are sick today. Some have gone out of town. Lord, we just bless you. We worship you. We worship you, God. We love you. We thank you. Lord, my prayer today as we go is that this next year, listen to me, this new year that's coming in is going to be the best year of your life. Something wonderful is going to happen to you. I said you. Something wonderful is going to happen. And Father, we ask you to bless this church. I'm going to pray for Liz right now. She's home in bed, sick. And I just ask you to heal her. I don't know how she does what she does. And she won't stop. I have to make her stop. And she's a blessing in my life. My son is a blessing in my life. Faithful, always here to help his dad. As we go today, I'm going to ask you to, when the lights come on, I want you to find three people and give them a hug. Take three or four minutes and talk to them. Encourage them. Father, we thank you for hearing this prayer now. In Jesus' name, everybody said, You're dismissed. Say that again. Yeah, Tuesday. Yeah, they're going to leave Tuesday. Okay. You're dismissed. Find three people and hug them. Tell them you love them. Thank you for coming. Happy New Year. This has been a broadcast of New Song Christian Fellowship. Thank you for joining us today. If you wish to partner with us and support this ministry, you can give online at newsongcarlsbad.churchcenter.com forward slash giving. Your gift is tax deductible. Please share this broadcast with your friends and neighbors and help us spread the good news of Jesus Christ all across the globe. 
May the Lord richly bless you.